Middle of the country, but not middle of the road opinions. It's the podcast dedicated to sports in the air capital of the world. I'm going to Wichita. Wichita, Kansas, and beyond with Tommy Castor and Blake Cripps. This is Keeper of the Games. Some may say that we are wildly unqualified. Some may say that we are mildly entertaining. I say we are exactly where we are supposed to be, celebrating back-to-back victories for your Kansas City Chiefs. Get the tomahawks out. The Chiefs have done it. Some on this show may have said it was impossible. We'll get to that in a little bit. This is episode 84 of the Keeper of the Games podcast, the only podcast in existence focusing exclusively on sports in and around it of interest to Wichita, Kansas. I am your host, Blake Cripps, joined by Tommy Castor. Tommy, do you know who on this show would have been just absolutely flabbergasted that the Chiefs could pull off a win against the Packers? I just, I just can't think of who that would be that would have given them no chance. Hey, you know, we, we're going to get into this game in just a few minutes, but I have to say, although my prediction did not come true, uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be totally cocky and arrogant if I were you because the Chiefs barely won that game. Like, let's let's be honest. We'll talk about it more in depth later on in the game but or later on the show. But uh, yeah, I might have been wrong, but I wasn't that far off track. I mean, I'll definitely be belligerent to you in the fact that you were so sure it couldn't happen. I never said they were going to run the Packers, and uh, they definitely didn't. And as Tommy said, there are still some significant concerns if you're a Chiefs fan, and we will discuss all of those after we discuss the best way to follow us on social media, cogsports.com, facebook.com slash games, where you can also watch the show if you dare. We're also on YouTube, CogPod on Twitter, and the best place every week for the podcast, It gets it first at cogpod.podomatic.com. But as long as you like, share, and subscribe, you'll get it on all your favorite platforms, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, probably plenty that I'm not even naming. So go and check them out. I, I got to tell you real quick, uh, not to cut yeah, you off. I know, you, know you're going through your spiel and everything. I just have to tell you, I didn't get to say this in the intro. Uh, it's nice to see you again so soon. I feel like we've got you know back-to-back episodes. Like This is a treat for our, our listening audience. Yeah, I mean, you know, I we we were wondering like, okay, when do we do the show this week? And we both just have commitments later in the week. We might have done it, may have done it on Thursday. Typically, this time of the year, we do it on Monday. Obviously, when we come back from our Christmas break, we will be probably moving the show back to Tuesdays or Wednesdays or Thursdays, <clears throat> just because there's a lot of college basketball on Mondays and Tuesdays that KU and Wichita State are going to be playing. But uh, yeah, there's still plenty to talk about. It might be a little bit of a shorter show, but nobody's going to kill. Nobody's going to die because of that. And there's still some very important topics to discuss today, including the Sunflower Showdown, including our women's basketball preview for Wichita State. But we will begin today, and I didn't think that we would, but we will begin today with the Chiefs defense taping up the Packers. 13 first half points. The Chiefs did not score in the second half of this game. And if you would have told me How is that game going to work out if the Chiefs don't score in the second half and end up with 13? I probably would have told you that the Packers are going to win by at least three scores. However, that is not what happened. Not all the news is good for Kansas City, but the best news, of course, is that the Chiefs shut down the Packers 13-7 to move to 5-4. They are a half game back of first place in the AFC West, dropping the Packers to 7-2. Of course, the headline coming into the game was the fact that Aaron Rodgers, due to 
a coronavirus positive test was not available. We're not going to get into all the politics and the political stuff. That is for a Packers podcast about the fact that Aaron Rodgers is unvaccinated. So unless Tommy's got something to say about that, that'll be some podcast up in Green Bay. I'm sure there's plenty up and down the line here on Spotify or wherever you're listening to this podcast. that will give you all the content you want about that. There's a lot of good things for Kansas City in this game, Tommy. The Chiefs defensively are playing their best football of the year. The defense made Jordan Love look like a guy that wasn't ready. His passer rating was 69.5. Green Bay did run the football, but they did not just shove it down the throats of Kansas City like Tennessee or Baltimore did. It was held in spurts. The big plays were not as big. They weren't as explosive. They weren't as consistent. But... The narrative that this football team and this football season is being solely sabotaged by the defense, that is over. It is absolutely over because there are problems with this offense. The offense is pedestrian for Kansas City right now. They didn't turn the ball over, and that was about the best thing that I can say that they did. They did not run the ball well. The pass game was consistent, but it was completely unexplosive. Patrick Mahomes had a passer rating of 74.8, which is the definition of mediocrity. It was lucky that the defense, and let's be honest, Green Bay had one of the all-time worst special teams games that a team maybe has ever had. Their special teams expected points was negative 12. They were awful on special teams. Kansas City's, I think, was plus 12. I may have misspoken there. But it was huge miscues on the special teams by Green Bay that allowed Kansas City to get some short fields, to get their defense a break. Green Bay made a, a couple of huge mistakes in this game. So I guess, Tommy, the question I'll pose to you is, was this a Chiefs win or was this a Green Bay gift to Kansas City based on their mistakes? I mean, I think it was a little bit of both. You know, if you look at the, the defense for Kansas City, uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you that that narrative that the Chiefs defense is letting them down is gone. That's not the story anymore. No. Um, is the Chiefs defense perfect? Absolutely not. <laughs> no. um, but at the same time, you know, they very nearly pitched a shutout. Uh, I, I think and why I say it's kind of both on both sides is that the game plan from Green Bay was absolutely ludicrous coming into this game. Like they had several days to prepare for Aaron Rodgers being out and Jordan Love making his first when, career when start. Was, when would that news break? Wasn't it like Tuesday? Yeah. Was yeah, it they, Wednesday? Something yeah. like that? They had, they had quite a bit of time. And I'm sorry, but... Matt LaFleur bungled this, in my opinion. The fact that Aaron Jones only got 12 carries in this game, and he is one of the best running backs in the National Football League, uh, knowing that Aaron Rodgers is out of the game. Like you mentioned, uh, talking about this game just a moment ago, about how Tennessee and Baltimore you know, they ran the ball down the Chiefs' throats and they forced the Chiefs defensively, the front four, to stop their running backs. And, you know, really, the Chiefs didn't have an answer, especially for Tennessee. Zero. Uh, zero answer. for Baltimore. And, oh, my you know, gosh. Derrick Henry, obviously, is, you know, before oh, yeah. he was injured, was the best running back in the NFL. But Aaron Absolutely. Jones is a top-tier running back as well. So 
I don't know why that wasn't the game plan for Kansas City. Ryan Tannehill is a me- is a mediocre middle of the road quarterback, and Jordan Love is kind of in that same realm right now as far as he's not Aaron Rodgers, right? So why not lean on the running game? Twelve carries for Aaron Jones, eight uh, eight carries for AJ Dillon. Uh, it just y- you needed to run the ball significantly more if you were the Packers. I think the Packers would have had a better chance to win that football game if they had actually relied on the run. That being said, though, not to take any credit away from the defense. They played really well and they looked solid. Steve Spagnolo has his team, his unit operating the best that they have all season long. Teron Matthew played really well. Legereus Sneed had an incredible interception. Yes, I, I don't know. I mean, I saw some people on Twitter saying that Andy Reid ought to line Sneed up as a wide receiver sometimes too, <laughs> uh, because that was an acrobatic interception that Legereus Sneed had. So, you know, I feel like the defense is coming together at the right time. And thank God that they are because yeah, the offense has been paltry. It's been paltry the last couple of games, uh, you know, especially. So I kind of feel like the role have been reversed where we were talking about how terrible the Chiefs defense was and that Kansas City was going to have to score 40 plus points to be able to win a game. Well, now we're talking about can the Chiefs score in the teens and if they can, they might be okay because the Chiefs defense is going to be able to keep teams from putting a lot of points up on the board. So it's a weird shift in the attitude. It's a weird shift in the narrative altogether. Um, You know, we talked quite a bit about what has been ailing Patrick Mahomes over the last few uh, weeks or so. I don't know if there's a great answer for that necessarily, and I don't know if I can pinpoint one particular reason of what's going on, although I do know that there were several different plays where, you know, Patrick just missed guys, just missed guys that were open. There was one play in particular, Travis Kelsey was wide open, and instead, you know, Patrick, you know, tried to force the ball into double coverage with McCole Hardman. So, you know, things like that are happening more often than not. Then I think it was the very next play, he did get the ball to Kelsey, and Kelsey dropped it. Uh, and then the very yep. next play on third down, he was trying to go to Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill slipped and fell. I mean, it was just, it's kind of things like that with the offense that has just been happening far too often. Although I do think, and back to your point earlier, at least they didn't turn the ball over. Had there been interception or turnover woes in general from Kansas City in this game, we could have been talking about a whole different ball game. The fact that the Chiefs held on to the football the entire game was probably a major reason as to why they won. And I know that there have been offensive issues for Kansas City, but when you look at the statistics of what they did through the first six games of the year, they scored over 30 points four out of the six games. Total offense, they had at least 392 in all of those games. And the point total in the games that you were a little bit depressed, the Buffalo Bills game, they only scored 20, only scored 20 against 24 against the Chargers. They had turnover issues in those games. They dropped 42 on the Bills. They dumped 35 on the Ravens, and they scored 33 on the Browns. And so it hasn't been turnover issues, but the last three weeks, Tommy, they have managed no better than 20 points. And that was against the Giants defense that frankly isn't that good. And their total offense has been way down. They managed only 237 yards against the Packers. It was their worst outing of the year in terms of output. Didn't even have 300 yards. They've had negative expected points two of the last three weeks and three of the last five, while the defense has had positive expected points three of the last four and once again as as we've mentioned green bay was horrific on special teams yeah. with big turnovers and mistakes that set up the chiefs for the win set up Locked the chiefs field for a goal couple... mason crosby missed another one and the chiefs weren't that good in the red zone yeah 
They, yeah. they, they, they did not convert in the red zone very well at all. They Instead of getting seven, like they have, and getting sixes, they settled for threes. And let's give credit to the defense. Frank Clark had three hits in the quarterback. They didn't get a lot of stats. Right. But they made, I thought they made Love very uncomfortable. You mentioned the big pickoff. Frank Clark had three quarterback hits. Chris Jones had two. Tyron Matthew had the big, big, big sack there late in the game. So the Chiefs didn't get a lot of stats done, but I felt like they did blitz a lot more. And understandably so, there's a quarterback that's less experienced, not going to be as quick to make his checks and reads like maybe the quarterback that the Chiefs face this week will, and certainly not as good or as well as Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers would have if he had been available, but it's something that I've been asking for for a while. Like, can we have a little bit more pressure? Can we try to blitz a little bit more? Because hanging back in coverage has gotten the Chiefs torched through the first half of the first half of the season. So it was encouraging to me to at least see something a little different and have it work out for the defense. Well, I mean, hey, if Aaron Rodgers played in this game, the Chiefs don't win. I mean, it's just... It's, I it's agree. A, it's Unless he has like the that. worst game he's ever yeah, had. It's as simple as that. And, and I'm going to make a bold statement here. Um, I'm going to say something that I, I feel like a lot of Chiefs fans are not willing to say right now. The bottom line is... In my opinion, this is not a team. This is not a great football team that is underperforming. Uh, I, I just don't think that that's the case. What do you I think, think they th- are? This is an average middle of the road football team. Uh, their record states it. The play on the field states it. I, I was I was thinking back to the first nine games. We are halfway through the season. <clears throat> yeah, and we are. I was looking at all of the games that the Chiefs has pl- have, have played this season. There has not been a statement win at all this season for Kansas City. There hasn't been. The the games that the Chiefs have won, they either won very closely or if they won, it was against a, an inferior opponent and they really didn't put their foot on the throats of, of the opponent at all. You look at the Giants game on Monday Night Football. The Giants are not a good football team. They won by three points. You look at the game against the Eagles. The Eagles are not a good football team. Uh, they only it's won by the a best few. win. Probably the best. Yeah, but it still wasn't amazing. It wasn't a great win. No, defense didn't play well at all that game. Defense did not play well at all. Probably the worst defensive game that the Chiefs have played all year was against Absolutely. the Eagles. So, so there has not been a statement win that would lead me to believe that this is a good football team. So I feel like we need to stop thinking right now that the Chiefs are a great football team that are just, they're not playing up to their ability. Because How do you nothing, reconcile that though? Because nothing, they have great players. They have great but players. you are correct. They are, they do not, they are not playing to the capability that we have seen in past years. But the players, the personnel, we've both thought got better coming into the year. We thought this is going to be an improved team, improved offensive line play. And I'm not necessarily sure the offensive line is necessarily playing worse. I, yeah, I'm not they, saying that. You know, they went they went from, the offensive line went from brutal last season to <laughs> occasionally average this season. Like, they're not a dominant offensive Serviceable. line. Serviceable? Yeah, no, they're it's not better than what it, It's better than what it was, that's for sure. But, you know, at, at the end of the day, I feel like, as Kansas City fans, and I identify as one, I have been my entire life, you can't wax nostalgic and you can't wear rose-colored glasses right now and just no. pretend that this is an elite football team that is just trying to work some things out. 
They, I go back to the the late the late coach Dennis Green and his entire rant when he was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals after he played the Bear. I think it was the they Bears. Are who he we said, thought they, they are were. who we thought they were. The the Chiefs are who we thought they were. The Chiefs are who they are. They are an average middle of the road football team at five Not and who four. We thought they were. They're, I they're, they're re- going to be really well, damn good this year. Their record indi- indicates it. The play on the field indicates it, and the stats indicate it. And until they show otherwise, they are an average middle of the road football team. Chiefs and Raiders matching up for the first place in the division. Raiders leading Kansas City by a half game. Vegas coming off a bye week. They got beaten by the Giants. Kind of a wacky last couple of weeks. Jacksonville's picked up some wins. Giants got a win a couple of weeks ago. Uh, 400 yards by Las Vegas in that game, but the Raiders turned it over three times. Derek Carr, 30 for 46, 296 yards and a score, two picks. Raiders defense played well enough to win. They held the G-Men at 259 yards of offense, but uh, although New York did run for 149 yards on the ground, Devontae Booker had a pretty good game. Um, But, Tommy, I I feel like if you win the Raiders game, the ship feels righted but rickety. You're still not real comfortable with the ship that you're on, but at that point, you've won three games in a row. You've won four out of five. You've got the Dallas Cowboys coming in. We don't necessarily know what the health of that quarterback situation is going to be with Dallas in a couple of weeks. I, I feel like you can go into Arrowhead Stadium to play the first place team in the NFC East and say, okay, we have some reasons to feel optimistic. Hopefully the guys are going to feel confident at that point. And, you know, if you can get a four game winning streak going into the bye week and come back with Denver, another divisional game that you've got Las Vegas the week after that, you can start to build momentum. And I agree, the Chiefs are not going to get to greatness this year unless they just run the table. I don't see that happening, but you can still be thinking, okay, this can still be a division title team. This can still make, they can still make the playoffs. Not going to be getting home field advantage, but maybe if they catch fire in the playoffs, maybe they can pull off some Mahomes magic. Well, I think it's time to temper expectations a little bit um, because does this team have the, the potential? Do they have the talent to be a division title winner and playoff team? Sure they do. Have they played anywhere close to that ability this season? Absolutely not. And, you know, I, I know that it's easy to look through a schedule and talk about a, a, a tough stretch or an easy stretch or it, every game in the NFL Every stretch is a tough stretch. Just ask the Dallas Cowboys that, you know, they, yeah. they were rolling. They had won like what, seven games in a row. And yeah, then they get absolutely like torched by Denver at home in Dallas. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's, it's a, you know, the, the Buffalo bills looked dominant when they played Kansas city. They lost nine to six against Jacksonville, the Jaguars over How the weekend. How did that happen? How did they know. only score nine points? I, That's, I can't, you know, the, the jets beat the Bengals who looked like a, a really solid team in the AFC. See a few weeks ago. So I what I'm saying is that every stretch can be a brutal stretch for any team. Anybody can be anybody on any given week in the NFL. And so, you know, they're playing Las Vegas. The Raiders have had some weird off the field things happen this entire season. Uh, but that doesn't take away from the talent that is on that team. Derek Carr, I think, is an above-average quarterback. I know he gets knocked quite a bit. I like Derek Carr as a QB. I like his talent. Uh, you know, and, and so 
they've shown that they can they can win in spite of the uh, the the craziness that surrounds their team uh, and that has been for the last couple of seasons. So you know they just signed Deshaun Jackson uh, as a free agent. You know it'll be interesting to see if he's able to contribute offensively for this Las Vegas team. Uh, but it, that's gonna it's gonna be a tough game. And anytime you play the Raiders, a divisional foe, it's a tough matchup. The Chiefs and Raiders obviously hate each other. Uh, and then the Cowboys, yeah, they got boat raced by Denver on Sunday. But, you know, if Dak is right, uh, you know, they've shown that they can put up a lot of points and they can be a, a really tough team also. So again, it, it's a, it, I, I don't want to, I hate saying, oh, it's a tough stretch of games, but it's a crucial, it it's a crucial stretch of games going into the bye week for Kansas City if they have any sort of playoff hopes left. Sunday night football coming up for the Chiefs and the Raiders. 7-20 kickoff on NBC. On to the Sunflower Showdown, where it was 14-3 Kansas State after one, 21-3 at the half, and Kansas State with an extremely comfortable and business-like trip to Lawrence. KU really never felt like they were going to threaten in this game as Kansas State wins it over the Jayhawks to win, what was it, like their 17th straight Sunflower Showdown, maybe yeah. 14 in a row. Three-game winning streak now for the Cats as they move to 6-3. and three. They're 3-3 three and three of the Big 12. KU falls to 1-8, 0-6 in Big 12 play. And Tommy, for me, this was just Kansas State staying on brand, maybe even getting back to their brand. They ran the ball down KU's throat. Deuce Vaughn carried 11 times for 162 yards and three scores. KU had no answer. It was like they had never heard of Deuce Vaughn before. Like, hello, you're not going to take Deuce Vaughn away? That's not plan A, B, and C defensively? Obviously, they didn't. Kansas State didn't lose a single rushing yard by a running back the whole game. They ran it 30 times for 242 yards. Skylar Thompson got sacked once, and that was the only negative rushing play they had the entire game. So the KU run defense was god-awful. Skylar Thompson was efficient, 19 for 24, 244 yards, touchdown, no turnovers. He didn't have to do much. He wasn't asked to do much. Why do that? You're playing Kansas. Kansas dealt with a big-time injury at the quarterback spot. Devin Neal was okay at running back, 19 for 62. Jalen Daniels has looked okay a couple of weeks in a row now, 13 of 19, 105 yards and a touchdown, as Jason Bean once again was knocked in and out of the game, didn't really look comfortable while he was in there. One late touchdown, but let's be honest, Tommy, this this game was never really in doubt. KU never really threatened, and just about all the momentum, if it wasn't left in Stillwater, there is nothing left from that magical first half, three quarters, maybe even first 50 minutes that they played against Oklahoma. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, really fortunate that Kansas was able to even get a late touchdown in this game. Uh, otherwise, they would have had two games in a row without a, a score in the end zone. Um, you know, that's a huge letdown uh, when you look at what happened a couple of weeks ago in Lawrence against Oklahoma. Completely different ball club. And, and it's just, you know, I, when, when you're a team that lacks so much in uh, comparison with in every category, in talent, in strength, probably in conditioning, in size in speed when you lack every tangible component against your opponent it makes it really hard to you know 
get up for each game, uh, especially when you left it all out on the field against Oklahoma. We saw that, you know, against Oklahoma State, and then we saw that, of course, against Kansas State as well. But hats off to the Wildcats. You know, they have uh, they persevered the last couple of weeks. They've shown that their season is not over. They're bowl eligible now uh, at six and three. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a different situation this season at this time than it was a year ago at this time when the Wildcats were just in the opening weeks of that late season loss, uh, losing stretch, the losing streak that Chris Kleiman and the Wildcats had to end uh, his his second year uh, in Manhattan. So they're they're being they're resilient right now. They're showing their resiliency. Um, you know, obviously, there's not a whole lot else to talk about with Kansas, at least no. other than other than the quarterback position. You know, Jason Bean was injured. I think he was tested for a concussion at one point. Uh, the big question is going to be Jalen Daniels. Uh, technically, he's redshirting for this year. He's got a little bit of time. I think he can play maybe in one or two more games before the team has to pull that red shirt off of him. Uh, and I, I don't think that that's something that they really want to do. Uh, I don't so think that's something that they should do. I think should, that would be yeah. a big, huge mistake if they you did know, that. Miles Kendrick was injured too in that game. Uh, hopefully Jason Bean is okay enough to be able to play this coming weekend. I don't think Miles Kendrick, I don't exactly know the severity of his injury, but it sounds like it might be enough to keep him out at least for a while. So hopefully Jason Bean can, you know, bounce back. But, you know, at the end of the day, uh, I, I long for a day when the Sunflower Showdown is competitive again. Uh, it's been a long time. And, and you know, I would say that even if I was a Kansas State fan, and I think Kansas State fans should want the Sunflower Showdown to be competitive. I would think Wildcat fans would want KU to be competent at football. That way they can have some competition in the Sunflower Showdown. Unfortunately, that hasn't been the case for a long time. Uh, I think you're right. 17 years in a row that Kansas State has beaten Kansas. Uh, Hopefully that changes someday. Hopefully it will. Hopefully in our lifetime it will. Kansas State now moves on to a West Virginia team that's been a bit of a disappointment at four and five, but they're just two and four in Big 12 play. It'd be a big win for the Mountaineers as they're trying to grab some bowl eligibility back. And you look at this Kansas State team, Tommy, um, the, the part of the season that they really had to have if they were going to proclaim themselves as being back as an upper echelon Big 12 team, they failed that part of the test. At Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Iowa State. Those are the three games they really needed to win. Now, Baylor can still be a pretty fairly high-quality win for them just based on how Baylor's been playing. Um, Texas, you know, I'm sure Texas will probably beat the doors off Kansas State for a half and then choke at the end because that's what Texas does this year. Um, but I fully expect Kansas State to take care of West Virginia and take care of them pretty handily. What do you think that the referendum will be on Chris Kleiman? Because, you know, Starting out 3-0, didn't always look great. I didn't think they played great. Against, in fact, they didn't play good against Southern Illinois. They just didn't. They didn't play good against Southern Illinois. They were solid against Nevada and against Stanford. Obviously, some of the offensive problems that they had really uh, showed up in the losses against Oklahoma State and Iowa State. And then against Oklahoma, you know, that score was a little bit closer at the end than it really should have been because of that late kickoff return for a touchdown. But you look at how things stand now, you know, the Texas Tech game for Kansas State was not a good game. They did not play well that game. Persevered, came back to win. They, of course, got TCU's coach fired. They played very well against Texas Christian. They had no trouble with KU whatsoever. So if they can end the year 9-3, and three, 
how do you think that'll be viewed in Manhattan in a season where they really beat, in that case, just one of the top four teams in the league? And Baylor is not a team that you thought of coming in as being one of the upper echelon teams. At least we didn't have them up there. Not that we know everything. How do you think nine and three? Nine and three sounds pretty good. Will it sound pretty good to a diehard Kansas State football fan? Well, it sounds good, but it's not going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I think that that's. That's a stretch. You said that the Chiefs were not going to win against the Packers. You got you give them no chance to go three and zero the last three. I don't think so. I mean, you know, I think that they they will win. They should win against West Virginia uh, to go Agreed. to seven and three. Um, and I can see them winning against Baylor or Texas. I think they'll take one of two. I think eight and four is probably a more likely scenario. Senior um, day at, against Baylor is at home, and then okay. they go the last, the day out Black Friday is at. Texas. Yeah, I just I don't I don't see them winning out. Um, you know, but again, I think they should beat West Virginia. I think that they will win either at home against Baylor or on the road at Texas, but it won't be both. Uh, and if I had to put money on it, I'd probably say they win at home against Baylor sure. and then they drop that road game uh, against Texas. But ultimately, I think even even eight and four, you've got to look at you've got to look at it. The third year of Chris Kleiman in Manhattan as a success. Um, you know, as a diehard K-State fan, if I was one of them, I would think that eight and four is a is a win. Um, Even though you're, you're not in the top 25? Well, you know, maybe they will be at that point. You're bull eligible at that point. You um, are. You're you bull eligible more, now. You more than likely kept Skylar Thompson healthy for most of the season. And I don't think yeah. there's any coincidence no. that the roughest stretch of the Kansas State season happened when he was on the shelf. Uh, I think that that plays a big role in it for sure. sure. So, you know, I, I think that, yeah, there were a couple missed opportunities there for Kansas State, but eight and four get you to a bowl game. It's respect. It's respectable in the Big 12, and that's the that's a good step forward for Chris Kleiman in his era at Kansas State, and it's a good building block to continue to grow off of. Now, had there not been that growth in year number three, had Kansas State stayed stagnant from year two to year three, I think at that point there are some fair questions about not did we make the wrong choice in Chris Kleiman, but is the is it is building it out? Is it working as quickly as it should? Um, how many more years do we give it? Now it's not like a burn the whole place down and start over like they're doing sure. in Kansas every couple of years. <laughs> but I think some fair concerns, some fair questions could have been raised had there not been growth from year two to year three. But that hasn't been the case. Again, we're looking at I would say more than likely an eight and four season nine. If you can if you can win out and finish nine and three, then you're dancing in the streets. If if you're a Kansas State fan, in my opinion, I think eight and four is more likely. And I think a, a solid bowl game will be in the future for Kansas State. Six and six, obviously, that would leave more questions, as sure. you just mentioned. I think Kansas State fans probably feel very close to how KU fans were, were thinking two years ago. Mm-hmm. Boy, if this pandemic hadn't happened, I bet there's some Kansas State fans out there wishing, boy, I wonder what this season could have looked like if our quarterback situation had stayed stable. Kansas State. West Virginia, 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. It is official, by the way. Just in case, Tommy, I know you were keeping track day by day on your calendar. Unfortunately, KU will not be bowling in 2021. The 1-8 Jayhawks are heading to Austin. They will play a 6.30 p.m. game on the 13th. That's Saturday against 
Texas on ESPNU. Tommy, we have done this a couple of times before on the program. Uh, it first happened kind of with me and you regularly on the program with Weston when we kind of sunset our coverage of Kansas State men's basketball uh, during the, the pandemic year, uh, coming back from 2020, early 2021. We did it again with the Kansas City Royals this year. And uh, I'm going to move that maybe we need to sunset our KU football coverage for the rest of the year unless something crazy happens because let's be honest, they just are not relevant. So I think the Jayhawks are going to have to go to the back of the line for now. Yeah, I don't think there's an issue with uh, us not going game by game breakdowns for the last three (laughs) weeks of the season. If something major breaks, uh, I think, yeah, we can certainly reference it, but I don't I I don't want to subject our listeners, nor do I want to subject ourselves to having to discuss uh, KU football any any longer than we have to. Pretty yeah. painful. So uh, KU football, it's been great. We will have, of course, our uh, end but of year season. But has it been great? Has it been great, though? Uh, I mean, there were... No, it has been great. Yeah, it's no, actually it been, been pretty bad. Pretty yeah. awful. Pretty terrible. Where's that Muppets line that we need? It was awful. Take it away! <laughs> Boo! <laughs> awful. Terrible. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'll see you next year. We'll have our season in review for KU football coming up. Uh, so we'll get our final thoughts on that here in about a month. We're going to wrap up the show here today with Wichita State women's basketball. As we kind of wrap up our local uh, college basketball previews here, Wichita State year four under Keitha Adams. The Shockers suffering through a 6-12 and campaign last year. And if you thought the team played a little inconsistent, you would be right. And there was a reason for that. Over, their, over half of their conference season – got either postponed or canceled. And WSU played the majority of the last two months of the season shorthanded, only two to three reserves on the bench. But hopeful Shocker fans are that that will pay some dividends this year. And it might. The Shockers returning their top six scores from last year's team. They won back-to-back games in their rivalry over Tulsa to end the year in the second round of the AAC tournament. They gave a top 25 South Florida team literally all they wanted, and they lost by four, 48 to 44. There is some big-time talent coming back, Tommy. Year four in Keitha Adams. And I feel like Keitha Adams, not every program has gotten the benefit of what most people thought would be the case at the beginning of the year, which is, oh, well, you know, you just toss out whatever happens in the coronavirus year. You toss out. It doesn't matter. It doesn't count. It didn't happen that way to so many college football programs. Certainly did not happen that way at Kansas State with the men's basketball program because, it, the, you know, Bruce Weber's little hiney is getting a little roasted up there with how hot his seat is. But I do feel like it has happened that way for Wichita State. There's mostly calm around the program. I don't know if that's because it's a women's team instead of a men's team. If the men's team were in this and getting a little bit more shine, a little more spotlight, would that be the case? But I think it is deservedly so. I think that there is a very strong nucleus back, and this could be a really big bounce-back year for the Shockers. Yeah, you know, I I think that Keitha Adams is kind of at an interesting point in her tenure at Wichita State. You know, she's been there since 2017. Um, it's been a, a mixed bag, I would say. Uh, I think you could look at her tenure thus far as, you know, average at best. Um, maybe, maybe not maybe, disappointing, but yeah, underwhelming. Maybe mediocre a little bit, sure. I think you could say. Um, but that being said, she inherited a program that was in the middle of significant collapse. Collapse. 
um, you know, not to not to go back to the days of Jody Adams and everything that was going on with that program, um, all the negative media lot, coverage, and there was a sure. lot that was happening during that time. There was a lot um, of good that came under that under that program as well. It was sure. not easy to follow her. The only NCAA tournaments that they've ever been to. In shocker history, by the way. Right, right. But also, you know, inheriting a, a, a team that or a program that was in, you know, ha- was having a lot of uh, a lot of discord amongst players in the program. There was just, a crisis. Uh, there was a crisis going on. She came in. She calmed the waters a little bit, and that's great. And she that and that part of it has happened. But she's now in what her fifth season at Wichita State, and yeah, the the COVID the COVID season, and you know, I think they went what six and twelve last year in yes. the COVID shortened season. Obviously, that's not good. But you know, I think that you can give programs like Wichita State women's basketball kind of a, a pass uh, for last year. But at this point, I, I think that she again, she's at an interesting point in her tenure because now the program should be filled with her players. She's been there long enough where it's fully hers. Um, that There are no holdovers left from the days of the last regime at, at Wichita State. So you've got to start to win. And I know that there's not a, a lot of pressure, not as much pressure on the women's side to win as there would be on the men's side. But you know, it, it's kind. Of, I kind of feel the same way with Keitha Adams that I do as I as I feel about Brandon Schneider at KU. Um, you know that he's been there about the same length of time uh-huh. that Adams has been at Wichita State. His tenure's kind of been underwhelming. Um, Maybe you know, probably even more so. Like KU has had a lot of like single digit win seasons. Yeah, and you know that they're they're kind of constantly operating in the shadow of what the men's program is doing. But we've seen what women's sports can do, especially at Wichita State. You look yeah. at what the softball program has done and what the volleyball program has done. So I don't think that anybody should give these, you know, programs just a free pass and just say, ah, it doesn't really matter. It's women's basketball. There's no, it does matter. Look at what softball is doing. Look at what volleyball is doing at Wichita state. So Keitha Adams is now at a point in her career at Wichita state where it's time to start to turn the tide. It's time to start to get some wins, time to start to see some improvement. And again, kind of like what I had talked about in that, what is scenario with Chris Kleiman? If you don't start to see improvement, I think it's fair to start the questions about, is this the right choice moving forward? Uh, I think we're still maybe a little bit of a ways away from that, but I would say the pressure has got to be turned up slightly at this point. Well, I would also say if you're a program that doesn't have football, you know, what's the point yeah. if you are not going to invest in football, which I'm and this we're not turning this into a Wichita State should get football back. It's not what I'm trying to say. But what I am saying is if you are saving all that money, that revenue, those resources that would be going to football, if you are not investing in your women's programs, then what are you not playing football for? Because yeah. football would bring in a lot of eyeballs, bring in a lot of fans, would bring in, could bring in a lot of attention. So if you're not excelling at the women's sports that you do have, then you're kind of doing the entire department a disservice by not being competitive with the saved revenue that you're investing theoretically in other parts of the department. Like you said, Darren Borey has 
has gotten the softball program up, you know, under the direction of Coach Bredbender to the best point that it's ever been. Coach Lamb has been, you know, a mainstay at Wichita State for, you know, a couple of decades now. And then there's no way that's changing. And they're playing pretty well here recently as well. The Shocker basketball team, I think, is a big opportunity. They were, they were averaging, you know, two, three, four thousand fans when you had Alex Harden and those other great players and Jody Adams there. They were going to back to back to back NCAA tournaments. And they've got players this year that can maybe turn it around. Asia Strong, 15 points, seven rebounds a game last year as a damn good player, had nine points and 10 rebounds in an exhibition win against Missouri Southern. You've got Mariah McCauley. She's got all conference aspirations, had 15 points. I'm probably going to mess this name up. Trajata Colbert with nine points and seven rebounds a game. They've got a lot of newcomers on this team as well. Almost all of them are foreign. They got three Europeans, one African. They've got, they went to Oceania. They got one from New Zealand, a Kiwi coming in. Um, but obviously, I think the one that everybody really wants to see is Ella Ancio, the former Lady Crusader, 6'4 center, really turned heads at Shocker Madness, might be ready to play and compete for some minutes much, much faster than anybody realized, Tommy. Six points and eight rebounds in the exhibition. Jaina Sinde uh, went 6 for 11 with 17 points. Shockers grabbed 63 rebounds. And they had a couple of their recruits that were actually recruited by Power 5 programs, and Coach Adams beat them out. So the Shockers beat Missouri Southern 80. 61 in an exhibition game. In your mind, in order to silence the doubters, and we're not saying that there are a ton of, you know, women's basketball doubters at Wichita State right now at all. Not what we're trying to say. But what do you think would be the season? What's the level? Is there a win total? What is what is it that would make the, you know, the doubters would have to sit there and be quiet. Maybe it's not even a winning season. I mean, they you know only won, what, a third of their games last year? You know, So if they get to 500, that'll be, in terms of winning percentage, a major step in the right direction. I think that they can surpass that. What would be the level for you that would make you say, okay, Coach Adams is got, has got the program on the right track? Well, Keitha Adams, in her time at Wichita State, has had one winning season. Uh, and she was one game over 500, 16 and 15. She's had one season where she had a winning record in conference, and that was her very first year at nine and seven in the American. So I would say anything over 500 is gonna, obviously going to show some signs of improvement. But you look at what where that team has ranked in the American each season that she's been there, and we're talking about fifth, sixth place, you know, even lower than that. Uh, middle of the pack at best in the American isn't going to cut it year after year. Uh, she had some good teams at UTEP. She was at UTEP for a long time. Long she took time. she took the Lady Miners to the NCAA tournament a couple times, made it to the second round of the NCAA tournament once, the women's NIT for a couple of seasons. You know, she had a, a you know records looking at her her time at UTEP, 28 and 4 one season, 29 and 4 one season, 29 and 5 one season. First place uh, finishes in Conference USA, even when she had some down years, she was still finishing third, fourth, fifth, you know, in, in Conference USA. Now her final season at UTEP was not great with an eight and 23 record, five and 13 in conference and an 11th place finish. But, you know, she had a lot of success overall during her tenure at UTEP. So you would like to think that she could at least start to continue that and show that growth at Wichita State. So I think that's got to be obviously the ceiling, but for this season, 
you, you've got to get somewhere around 500. You've got to try to write that ship. She even, you know, the first three seasons, you know, she, one year she was right over 500. The other years she was kind of hovering around 500 finished just below. Uh, but last season, again, COVID and disruptions and, you know, schedule issues and things like that. They were six and 12. You can't do that this year. You got to be back up to somewhere around 500 as far as I'm concerned. The Shockers, as you are watching or listening to this on Tuesday, uh, you might have time, depending on when this drops, to actually get out there and go watch them at Coke Arena. Kind of weird. They are playing a noon game against Chicago State. It will be on the plus if you want to actually watch that game. They're at Wyoming on Saturday at 3 o'clock. No TV. They will be on radio locally here on KFH. Denver on Monday. Their streaming will be available. Uh, that'll be the 15th on the road. 8 o'clock tip-off for that. Three straight on the road after Chicago State. They've got UNI on the 20th, back at home on the 23rd to play Prairie View AM Thanksgiving week. That is a 6 p.m. tip off. So, your next chance to come and watch Wichita State here locally will be in a, uh, in a few days after they get done with the road trip. And that is our topics. That's our show for today. But there is one more piece of business that we do have to get to it is time to hit the music and we are going to whip around wichita it is the wichita whip around one story from the air capital that maybe you missed and that we think you probably shouldn't go this week without hearing so tommy let's whip around with you what happened in wichita over the last three days we've been since we uh, did the show that you think is noteworthy yeah well i figured that uh, you've i'm not going to put words in your mouth but i figured that you've got high school football covered uh, I so I'm, I'm not going the high school football route. Instead, I'm going the high school soccer route. Trinity Academy. We don't talk about Trinity a whole lot no, here don't. on this program, but they were in the 4-1A state championship. But for the third straight season, Trinity lost to Bishop Miege in the championship game. This year's loss came in heartbreaking fashion. It was a penalty kick in overtime. That was the match-winning goal for Bishop Miege. Uh, so obviously heartbreaking for Trinity Academy. But, you know, obviously they don't get a lot of press overall. Uh, the Knights from Trinity finished the season with a record of 15-6, and six, one of the best teams to come out of Trinity Academy. And so I know it's heartbreaking for sure that they were not able to get the championship win, but still hats off to Trinity Academy, making it to the championship game in the 4-1-A state championship in soccer. If you thought that I would be covering high school football on this part of the whip around in the show, you would be correct. As we go to the 6A playoffs, as we are now entering the sectional round, all these games to be played on Friday. On the western half of 6A, the Derby Panthers stay undefeated. They go to 9-0. Rather convincing win. I think people thought that it would probably happen this way. They knock out the Wichita East Blue Aces, 63-26, the only local school left. Both Lawrence schools are still around. Derby will get the Firebirds of Lawrence Free State. That is a game at Derby. The Manhattan Indians will be hosting the Chesty Lions of Lawrence as Lawrence has picked themselves completely off the mat. They were a doormat up there in the Sunflower League after being what, for like 60s, 70s, they were the preeminent football program probably in the entire state of Kansas. Lawrence is back in, in a big way. I fully expect Lawrence to come out of that game because, let's be honest, Manhattan clinically and chronically 
underperforms pretty much in almost every sport. So I fully expect Lawrence is going to get the better of Manhattan. So that will set up a Lawrence and Derby sub-state championship. On the other half, you've got Blue Valley Northwest and West, Shawnee Mission Northwest and Olathe North. Going to 5A, the Maze Eagles win the battle for aerial superiority. They knock out Bishop Carroll, 28-21, a late touchdown on that one. They've got the Hayes Indians coming in in the sectional round. Cape and Mount Carmel polished off May South 37-21. Wichita Northwest blew the doors off the Mustangs of Solana Central 66-21. So Cape and Northwest, that is a game at Heights coming up this week. 9-1 Capen, 8-2 Wichita Northwest. An absolutely massive game there. And in 4A, you've got Bueller at 9-1, taking on Mulvane at 8-2. Wamigo 9-1 will be uh, hosting Andover Central at 9-1. So in the top three classes, Tommy, we have got a ton of local product, a ton of local teams that are still alive, still dominating here. Outstanding that pretty much the entire western half of the state in these brackets most of it the vast majority is coming from right except for 6a i agree 6a let's pick things up a little bit down here guys but <laughs> other than 6a I'm, it's all coming from sedgwick county pretty much yeah and that makes for you know a lot of fun in the playoffs um you know and, and, and when you've got all the area teams that continue to move on survive and advance week after week you know it gets me to the point to where i just start to cheer for the area teams i want to see them do well over the Kansas City metro area teams. Yeah, why not? You know, the northeastern part of the state and and that sort of thing. But it's fun, you know, to see matchups like you mentioned Bueller and Mulvane in 4A taking on each other. Uh, You know, Bueller's been good for a long time. We talked about it last week on the show, how Mulvane had kind of fallen off in recent years, but now they're back in the playoffs and they're winning games in the playoffs. Uh, You know, so that's great. And, and, you know, so as much as I like seeing uh, local teams taking on teams outside of the Metro and beating them. There's just something about playoff football when two teams are matched up each other with each other and they're both here in the Metro. So I've got my eyes on those matchups where both teams are in and around Wichita. It's going to be a lot of fun. Is it is it bad that I don't even want to mention 3A because of our former co-host? Because he is all, he is <laughs> just sickened me to the point of Andale. And I don't have anything against Andale. <sighs> I think that Andale has a... Phenomenal program. They have a fantastic coach, great community. I don't have anything negative to say about Andale, except that our former co-host, who uh, we believe might be returning to us uh, on a temporary basis, a special basis, here in a few weeks. Stay tuned for more information on that. Um, but he is just sicking me to the point uh, I don't even want to mention the Andale Indians and the fact that they're 10-0 and playing Concordia on the road in the 3A playoffs. I feel bad for that. I feel bad. Honestly, I'm not a, I'm not apologizing. I feel bad that Weston has turned us off of Andale so much to the detriment of Andale with his Weston whip-arounds for all those months and years, and we're still scarred by it. We sort of have an, an embargo on anything and that's related Andale's to Andale. Fault. And it's not Andale's fault, unfortunately. But, um, but you know, to be fair, my uh, embargo on Andale started a long time ago, like when I was in high school, because Clearwater played Andale and always got our butts kicked by Andale. So, oh yeah, uh, this has been going on for me for was that a the Chisholm long Trail time. League back then. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, we were we were always part of the AVCTL. I didn't um, remember when they had because I know there was the Arc Valley League and the Chisholm Trail League, and then they combined them around yeah. the time that my old league in my high school, the the old I seventy league, was uh, mm-hmm. breaking up. As uh, you know, the you know, I, I guess it was still in school, still. It was still there while I was in school, but then Salina schools decided they were going to leave, and you know everything broke up. We, we should also mention in 3A, Cheney is undefeated. They yeah. are hosting an undefeated Southeast of Saline team, a matchup of two 10-0 teams as well in 3A. So that'll be a good one as well in Class 3A. Additions, corrections, and retractions, anything that we messed up. One thing that you messed up, Tommy, you said that it was the fifth year for Keith Adams. It is only her fourth year. Okay, Pretty minor mistake, though. May have just misspoke. Any A season R? for you other than that yeah i do have an addition uh we spent last week with our college uh basketball preview and so i feel like it would just be worth our time to mention the champions classic tips off on tuesday night so this episode dropping on tuesday morning so later on today as you're listening or watching uh, this podcast uh you'll be able to check out kansas taking on michigan state one thing i'm happy about is that it's the early game i feel like every (laughs) year kansas gets the late game and it's like 11 o'clock or 11 30 before i get to go to bed Uh, so i'm looking forward (laughs) to a 6 p.m central time tip off of course the champions classic takes place inside madison square garden and it's a little interesting to me that uh the, you know the champions classic you know is always the same four teams uh, i believe it's always the same four teams. it has been since it has they been have, for a while since it started yes but michigan state is unranked this season i did not realize that um you know i feel like tom Izzo always has his michigan state teams ranked but they start the season unranked of course kansas is number three in the country and then the late game is duke and kentucky number nine versus number 10 so looking forward to seeing how the jayhawks uh end up matching up against michigan state in this game they will be without jalen wilson who obviously is serving that suspension for his dui uh last weekend and then there is a question mark surrounding Jalen Coleman Landis. Will he be playing in this game? I know he was dealing with an injury, so uh, we'll see if he ends up suiting up or not. Kansas State's getting set to open up their season against Florida A&M, by the way. Um, one thing that I did want to, uh, that, that just broke today, um, that is kind of outside the scope of our podcast, but one thing I wanted to get your opinion on real quick. Did you see the story about the NCAA streamlining their constitution, Tommy? Um, it was released today. They are cutting down their constitution from 43 pages to 18 and a half. It is focusing on the broader goals of athlete welfare more than the previous version, which took a granular approach. It would provide Division One. uh the autonomy to reshape everything from how revenue is shared to how rules are made and enforced. You have said previously that the NCAA was going to die and that they were on the way out. Um, maybe that doesn't happen now. This certainly seems like, you know, they, they the saying is you either adapt or die. This seems like a last ditch effort from the NCAA to adapt. They are shrinking their board of governors from 21 to nine. They're changing the board of governors duties. Um, It it still needs to be ratified by the 1200 member schools of the NCAA, but um, major, major changes coming to the landscape of college athletics, which I think we all expected and all predicted. Uh, But do you think that this is enough to keep the NCAA around? 
No, too little, too late. Um, this is rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, as far as I'm concerned. Um, you Even know, for I, the mid-major, like the West Coast Conference schools, you know, because I feel like there's still going to be a place for conferences like that, the Big West, whatever conference USA turns out to be, the Gulf South, these other leagues. The Big 12, and, you know, assuming that they survive, obviously, but the SEC, the Big 10, the Pac-12, they don't need the, S- the, the NCAA. They don't. They can move on. But I feel like organizationally, institutionally, there may be some lower conferences that maybe could use that organizational help. Why? Like what? Like what? What does the NCAA bring to them that they can't do? Enough. They can't do on their own. I mean, you, you mean to tell me that uh, I don't know the conference USA can't go and find their own media deal and make that work? Sure well, I mean, they, they do make their own media deals, but I mean, in terms of they trying can't to figure out their own revenue sharing. Sure, they can. I mean, but trying to administer some sort of a national championship, you know, there might be a situation coming up if the big power conferences break off. You might be looking at like a two national championship type of system. You'll have the power five national champion and then, you know, whatever is left. It'll be division. We'll be back to division one and one double A. I don't know if that's going to happen or not. I just I just want to get your opinion on that. One other thing we should mention, the Shockers are also opening up their season tonight. They are playing against Jacksonville State. That's a 7 p.m. kickoff. That is going to be a kickoff tip off. We'll get into basketball mode here in a little (laughs) bit, guys. You'll have to forgive me. Um, That is going to be on the plus one thing that you're interested to see about Wichita State out of this game for me Ricky Council the fourth he's the guy I've been hammering on last year I want to see him this year will he be the man for Wichita State like I think we all believe he can be I want to see him in this first slate of games for Wichita State and it opens up on Tuesday yeah and hey shout out to Tyson Etienne on the side he has been one of the main shockers that has taken advantage of the new NIL rules. Uh, And I just saw Taylor Eldridge uh, posted on Twitter a couple of hours ago, a a sneak preview of uh, Tyson Etienne's commercial for uh, the local pie shop, Peace, Love and Pie. And you know what? I've heard of that. I I totally expected when you said that, it was like, this is going to be a queso story, which I'm all about a queso story. Yeah, no, it's all about pie. And uh, holiday pies, ordering your holiday pies uh, with Tyson at the end at Peace, Love and Pie. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, I, 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 he's he's pretty good. I would put him in my commercial any day of the week. So did, did you did you buy a pie? However. I've not bought it. I just literally saw this commercial like two hours ago for the first time. So uh, but it's I, on your list for this weekend. I may need to go pick up a pie at Peace, Love, okay. and Pie. Uh, I may have because, to go watch this commercial. Because Tyson at the end sent me. Um, it's a little bit different than uh, some of the NIL deals that I've seen up in Lawrence <laughs> yeah. where the, the guys are getting cars and things like that. But, uh, sure, you know, or, or a restaurant, it is. bar and grill. But yeah, yeah, selling pie. I don't know if I would have I don't know if I would have thought of that, but you would know. You, that, you, would not, you would not have pegged Tyson at the end as a pie as salesman? As a pie salesman? I don't know if I would have. And I'm not saying that that's necessarily, you know, that may just be my lack of understanding of the the range and the multidimensional sales capability that Tyson Etienne has. I think, you know. Well, so, he's an artist. I mean, yeah. you know, there's a lot about he did have an art sale. Yeah. He's a very layered individual. Uh, he is. I didn't give him credit. So he's a it's pitch on man. Me. He's an artist. He's, you know, the the American Conference preseason player of the year. I mean, what uh, can't he do? I mean, there's a lot that Tyson Etienne can do. 
Uh, one other thing, uh, KU Volleyball, they have lost 8 of 9, by the way. They are they have dropped to 12 and 11 on the year. Really thought this might be a turnaround season for them. What happened? Shockers ended a two-match losing streak. They swept Tulane to move to 15 and 8 on the year. They're 9 and 5 in AAC play, so the Lambo squad is doing pretty well uh, here down in the uh, air capital in terms of volleyball. And that'll wrap things up for us on the show here today. Man, under an hour. Been a while since we had that. a sub one-hour show, but I'm happy about that. Next week, probably not going to be talking KU football. However, we will have a full week of basketball to digest. We'll get the best of there. And will the Chiefs actually have it turned around after Sunday night football? We will see coming up. We certainly hope so. And we'll plan to see you then on the show. Before we step away, I want to thank you for listening, watching, sharing, and subscribing. If you would like to see more of this content, if you're listening, just make sure you like, share, and subscribe. We really appreciate it. It really helps out us, helps us out a ton when you do that. And uh, tell a friend, if you've got a friend, maybe one who's moved away from Wichita, who still is all about the Shockers or the Jayhawks or the Chiefs or the Royals and wants to hear more about that, it misses their local sports talk that they used to listen to down here, drop them a link to our podcast. We'll see. They may think we suck, but I bet we're doing better Wichita coverage than whatever they have at Kalamazoo, okay? So have them give us a chance. Tommy, before we say goodbye, for our beloved audio listeners, your Twitter handle. Well, of course, you can always follow me whenever you would like on Twitter at the handle at Tweets from Tommy. Of course, if you're watching the show, you can actually just watch it and see it on the screen. But I love our audio listeners. You guys are number one with me always. That's why I haven't upgraded my camera. At B-E Crips, B-E-C-R-I-P-P-S on Twitter. And of course, the show is at Cogpot on Twitter. So until next week, should be with you again next Tuesday for a big episode 85. We'll see you next time on the Keeper of the Games. Take care, guys. You've been listening to Keeper of the Games. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and listen on all major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and more. Visit our website at cogsports.com. Find the podcast and videos on Facebook and YouTube at Keeper of the Games. And follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at cogpod. That's K-O-G pod.